On The Flow podcast is brought to you by AWA, Aotearoa's leading period, postnatal and pee-proof underwear, keeping you supported all day long. Available at awathelabel.com. Kia ora and welcome to On The Flow, the podcast dedicated to exploring the world's tradition of periods, where we have some bloody deep chats and get you one step closer to reconnecting you to your cycle. The Hawaiians taught me this chant, who were composed for Lan, for Havane, when she had her first ikura because they couldn't find the chance. They'd been lost. But it's beautiful and it goes, Hiva, Hiva, Lanie, Kauka, Let it be a lay. Let it be an adornment. Let the blood be an adornment. Let it adorn you as a thing of beauty. Let the blood, when she comes every month, the blood of purification and renewal, the blood that purifies and renews you each month, let it be an adornment of beauty for you. What does that mean? It means retreating to rest. It means creating a space for yourself to feed your own spirit. How do you do that? You do the things that you love, you know? Go and pour yourself a beautiful bath and light some candles. Go for a walk along the moana, you know, at the beach and, and let the wind let the wind move through your hair, you know. Go into the nahere, go and sit on Papatuanuku and connect in with her directly. Those sorts of things that feed our spirits, you know, and, and replenish us because the time, equal a time when we bleed, and let's not use the word period because that's just not. Because the, the problem with the, the term period is it strips the, the sacred from the blood it's hard to find our ceremony in that term period there is no ceremony in that term so recover the names that reflect the mana and tapu of the blood like ikura when we use the term ikura we are reminded that that blood is the only blood that is not wound blood it's the only blood that's not wound blood. It's the blood of birth, death and renewal. It represents woman's sacred mysteries. And it links us back to Kurawaka, to the vulva of the mother Papatuanuku in the place where the first human 
came into being, Hineahu Huone, in accordance with Māori creation stories. So when we use the term ikura, we are reminded that we are a continuation of Hineahu Huone, of that atua, her intelligence, her wisdom, the whare wānanga of kurawaka is within us. You know, and, and so it's good to seek inspiration from outside, of course, look to the teachings of others to feed your spirit. But remember that there is a deep wisdom within you. The whare tangata is an oracle. She's a seat of intelligence. She is the ruafetu. She's a stargate. She is the place, she is the doorway between Te Marama, the world that we occupy, and Te Wairua, the spirit world, the star worlds. That is what wahine are, that's our nature. We are the threshold. We are the gate between worlds. We are the only way in and out of this world. If the tara, the vulva, and the whare tangata are a threshold for star beings to alight upon this world. That doorway opens when we bleed. When we bleed, the blood that renews life, that regenerates the cosmos, we become open to a river that conveys ancestors and descendants, because that's what the blood is for us as Māori. The blood is a river of ancestors and descendants. Te awatua, te rerenga atua, atua are all ancient, sacred tangata whenua terms for the blood that remind us that the blood links us directly to our own pre-colonial pantheon of atua, of deities. It's a supernatural power for us. It's a sacred power. It made me cry when I heard it for the first time. You know, because it's it's what we've lost. Well, it's not what we've lost. It's what's been stolen. Hey. It's what's been violently repressed. It's been ten thousand years basically of patriarchal rule, hey, around across the planet. And for us as Tanata Fenua it's been 200 years, you know. But make, you know, make no mistake that this patriarchal violence that has erased the sacred teachings of the mysteries of the Whare Tangata. The Whare Tangata is a Whare Wānanga. All of the sacred teachings of Wahine that we don't know anymore because they've been censored and erased, deliberately stolen, you know, from us. And the teachings have been corrupted and diluted down to the point where we can't see ourselves in them. And in fact, as wahine Māori, we've been reframed, we've been represented by others, by Pākehā historians, as being inferior in our own culture you know and spiritually polluting and all these it's created this this colonial legacy because we've internalized that and so we think we don't have the right 
to connect to the sacred and to, to connect directly with the atua wahine. We think we have to go through somebody else. We have to go through a man or we have to go through a tohunga or we have to get permission to connect with the sacred. But the sacred is who we are. And the atua wahine are who we are. And we're a continuation of them. And even though we might feel alone, we're never, we're never alone. Eh? Mm. Anyway, I'll let you introduce. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> the wahine who needs no introduction, really. <laughs> uh, but for any of our listeners who may not know, uh, the beautiful kōrero and the oli, to begin our episode today as uh, none other than Dr. Ngahuia Murphy, the writer of Te Awatua and Waifiro. Uh, Dr. Ngahuia Murphy's lifelong research on the decolonization of our ikura and the revitalization of the tikanga, uh, the practices, the rituals surrounding ikura was the inspiration behind the inception and ethos of Awa Ngahuia Tenakwe. <laughs> tenakwe. Isn't that so cool? That's so cool. <laughs> and I just want to go back to how you were talking about refraining from using period as yeah. the term to describe when we menstruate or our ikura and the power behind any kupu. And mm. Michelle and I discussed that in our first episode as well. Mm. And could you just elaborate on that a little bit more mm. as to how powerful that is? When you have period, which oh. I have no connection oh. to compared to our own kupu uh, in Te Reo Māori and the whakapapa or the depth, the substance, the significance that those words and especially when it comes to decolonizing how we connect with ourselves, mm. with our ancestors, with our bodies, with blood, mm. how one little change like the word we use to describe this time can have such a huge impact yeah it's recovering the ceremony recovering the sacred nature of the flow of blood it's a ceremony of purification and renewal the blood is a symbol of whakapapa that's what it is it assures the continuation of whānau whakapapa you know and it connects us directly to our own atua we can't read any of that in the term period or even menstruation you know yuck period and menstruation are terms for the sacred blood that renews life they're terms that come from a worldview that doesn't honor the blood that sees the blood as dirty and disgusting and an inconvenience and um for our for our tipuna as tangata whenua the blood isn't a curse it's a blessing because like i said it's about the continuation of whakapapa so I talked about ikura and the beauty of that term, ikura, that's derived from my ikura waka. So it tells us the blood comes from Papa Tuanuku, the creatress of life, and that blood sculpted the first human, Hineahuone. So when we use the term ikura, it reminds us about our sacred connections to our atua. It's about relationships to the sacred. Yeah, we don't need to look outside ourselves for those sacred relationships. We're born with them, you know, they're within us. We just have to recover 
them and reactivate them. Um, and the first thing about that is, is recovering the terms, having an understanding of the pūrāko, of the kōrero that, that underpin the terms, and then creating the, the time and the space to, to start to sort of create a sacred way for ourselves. Well, that's another kaupapa that maybe we'll talk about a little bit later. But So that's ikura, and then I talked a little bit about te awa atua, te rerenga atua, atua, and it comes from two pūrāko. Well, one of them talks about how the blood te awa atua comes from Papatuanuku as she matured, and ripened into her power, into her mana, into her procreative power as as a creatress. And it arrived in Te Pō Tifa Tifa, the seventh cycle of Te Pō. And when it arrived, when it came for Papa Tuanuku, it meant that she was then able to conceive the entire pantheon of Atua, of deities. So what that tells us is the blood that we bleed today as wahine is the same blood that birthed the pantheon of Atua. It is the same blood. And according to that pūrāko, one of those Atua, Tāne, discovered a whole new world beyond the poor by riding out of Te pō, the worlds of darkness, into Te Marama, the world of light, which we occupy on his mother, Papa Tuanuku's blood tide. So, Atua, Awa Atua, Rerenga Atua, are names that come from that Pūrāko to remind us that an Atua flows out on the tide each month, which is why when we bleed we are tapu. We have to take care of ourselves. What does it mean? It means retreating to rest. It means honouring ourselves and the fact that we are in a sacred state. And so it's it's always been for us a time to nurture ourselves. And back in the days, in the times of our tipuna, our whanau took care of us during that time. Our tāne procured special kai for us to feed the whare tangata, to honour the whare tangata for the sacredness that she is. She's the house of the generations. She's the house of humanity. She ensures the survival of the people. She decides. She decides singularly what whakapapa lines will continue and what whakapapa lines will fall into the obscurity of the poor. It's the whare tangata that will ultimately make that decision. So it was a time of rest, it was a time of self-nurturing, our whānau took care of things, and we know as wahine, the wisdom of hine te iwaiwa, the wisdom of the atua wahine, the goddess who governs the moon and the tides, the tides of the moon and the tides of the womb, you know, the tides of the whare tangata, the blood tides. It's hine te iwaiwa, she's wise. And we know as wahine, when we live together, we bleed together. And so we would retreat together to rest. And the men weren't excluded from those spaces because as tangata whenua, that's not how we roll they were free to come and go from those spaces and, and they had their own relationship with the wisdom of, of the whare tangata as their first house. It's the first territory for all of us. So we're quite different to 
to Pākehā and even other Indigenous peoples around the world and that for us as tangata whenua, the blood is not a woman's issue. It's a whānau issue because the blood represents whakapapa. Atua, te awatua, te rerenga atua, they whakapapa back to that pūrākau. But there's another one, another pūrākau that was shared with me by my kuia, Rangimari Pere from Waikare Moana. This is in our Pōtikinga Uriya Māui pūrākau. It talks about how Māui had been watching Hinetewewa, the moon, as she waxed and waned in the sky each month. Every month she gives birth to herself on Fido. She renews herself. And then she begins a process of growing into the gravity of her own power. So for two weeks she's waxing. She's growing bigger and bigger in the sky until the full moon, until the Rako Nui. She's radiant and pregnant with her own procreative potential and that's what we are as wahine that's the nature of the whare tangata the whare tangata and the moon are one and the same we are hine te iwe iwa. we are the maramataka so maui had been watching her giving birth to herself on the new moon growing into the gravity of her own power and then beginning to retreat again into the darkness. So he'd been watching her and he wanted to be like her. Maui has a close relationship with Hine Tewiwa right across the Pacific. You know, in some versions they're lovers, some versions they're sister and brother, some versions they're mother and son. So Maui and Hine Tewiwa they have a close relationship, and that's something I think as wahine we need to study. We need to look at that and what that means for us. Because the thing about Pūrāko is they are full of instructions about how to live our lives, how to navigate relationships, how to elevate ourselves, how to receive you know, revelation and, and enlightenment. They are ritual maps that convey ancestral teachings that can heal. So Maui wanted to be like Hinetewewa. He wanted to die and be reborn each month. And that's been translated as immortality. He wanted immortality like the moon, continuation and regeneration the power to renew is an ancient teaching it's a sacred understanding of the power of wahine that i think uh, many of us have forgotten the whare tangata holds the capacity to regenerate and renew the people and life you know so what did he do he devised a plan to return to the to his own birthplace, to the womb of his own mother. Hinenui te po te ao. His mother was sleeping. He entered her tara, her vulva, unannounced and uninvited. And when he did that, he transgressed sacred laws. Nobody has the right to enter that sacred gate between worlds, the tara, without invitation. And without consent, nobody has that right. We are the kaitiaki of the mana and tapu of our own bodies. 
and we don't have to negotiate that for anybody. She woke up, said, what are you, what are you up to? He said to her, I, I want to be like the moon. I want to be like Hinateiwewa, who dies and gives birth to herself every month. I want continuity like the moon. She said, yeah, I, I can give you that, but you are not to transgress sacred laws. She then crushed him with her velvet teeth and he became the first blood to enter the world. That's another whakapapa kōrero that speaks to the origins of the blood. So Te Atua and Māui are ancient names for the blood that whakapapa back to that pūrāko. Kaputa mai a Māui, ia marama. Kaputamaiya, every month Maui reappears in the blood tide of Wahine. That tells us that it's through that sacred blood that Maui received immortality after all. The blood is the blood of Whakapapa. We will be here forever through the blood of woman. The colonial historians, they wrote about us from their perspective they, they redefined us as a people, and that's what they wrote. They wrote that in, in traditional Māori society, men are superior and women are inferior because that's how they saw the world. Women and children were chattels. They were the property of men. And when they came here, it was a very different story. There were wahine rangatira. Women were major landholders, women were tohunga, women led war parties, women led muru plundering parties. You know, colonisation has been a patriarchal process that has really done damage to the bond between Tane and Wahine as tribal sisters and brothers. You know, it's created this gendered hierarchy. You know, their role is... is Karakia and the sacred arts, the esoteric arts that belongs in their domain with the men because they're associated with rangi in the heavens, you know, and all that's divine. <laughs> and wahine are associated with the earth, with papatuanuku, with death, with decay. Earth is uh, dirty. Yep, earth is, is dirty. She's not the mother of Atua. She's just like a lump of dirt, you know, which has justified, of course, the plundering of the earth and the consumption of the earth because, hey, she's not divine. Divinity lies up in the sky with a male sky god who has no mother. I mean, that that doesn't work. One of the things my queer said was, well, if that was true, how come men aren't giving birth to the babies? I mean... That just doesn't make sense. <laughs> it just doesn't make sense. Yeah, so they did a number. They did a number on us. As a consequence of that, when they saw the way that we elevated wahine and the whare tangata, when they saw the way that we celebrated our own sexuality as the source of life, when they saw the freedom afforded not only wahine but also tamariki because we did not hit our tamariki. Our tamariki had free reign, mana tamariki. Tamariki have just as much mana 
as as anybody else. You know, they were not seen as the as the property of of adults. Children belong to life. But when they saw that, the missionaries and those early settlers, they equated the freedom of the wahine and the freedom of tamariki to the savagery and the backward nature of Māori. For them, those were indicators of the inferiority of Māori, which justified colonial conquest, eh? You know, because we're a backward race, we believe in all these goddesses, well, hey, you know. Something wrong with that. You can't have that. You you can't have that. And so when they saw those things, that justified colonial conquest, basically. But we're, we're left to, to deal with, you know, the damage that's been done. And we are struggling to recover ourselves we have to recover a sacred relationship with ourselves first and foremost. And then with our tāne, they had ways to nurture a relationship with the whare tangata, whether it's procuring special kai and cooking special kai for us when we were bleeding, whether it's the traditions of, of male midwifery, some of our wisest midwives in pre-colonial times and up until probably only a few generations ago in Sambrohe, were our tāne, they were, they were wise. They honoured the whare tangata as the, first, as the first territory, as the first whare wānanga, as the first house, you know. And that's something that um, they need to remember. Our men are in trouble, a lot of our tāne, because they have forgotten that. They have forgotten the source of their own origins. The oppression of wahine impacts the entire whānau and hapū. You bring the whare tangata to her knees, you bring the people to their knees, you bring the future generations to their knees because that's what the whare tangata represents. I just want to touch on that because with a lot of our tāne, especially from previous generations, have indulged in the perceived authority they have that's come with colonisation to their detriment. Well, all of us, to all of us. Yes. and so what can our tāne do today Mm. to rectify or heal and remember how they can be part of this process? Well, I mean, first and foremost, ko wai koe. Ko wai koe. Whose <laughs> amniotic waters do you come from? Remember, Tane, where you come from. You come from the womb waters. Our tipuna knew that to ritualize that understanding was a source of sustenance for themselves. That's why you have warriors who were named after their mothers and grandmothers. They named their weaponry after mothers and grandmothers. Our tipuna knew, you honour the whare tangata, the whole whānau and hapu will thrive. So tāne have to remember just the basics, where they come from, and recover and restore their own living relationships with the atua wahine, because the atua wahine lie within them as well. 
and are a source of revelation and enlightenment and spiritual growth for them as well. And then, you know, that relationship becomes the foundation for the healthy, balanced relationships they have with the wahine in their lives, their sisters, their lovers, their mothers, their kuia, you know. And, and some of our men are beautiful and continue on in those tipuna ways and some have forgotten, you know. To abuse the whare tangata in any way is to abuse yourself because you come from that house and is to abuse the future generations and nobody has that right because the future generations belong to life. And then with wahine, with menstruators reconnecting to themselves and trying to remember their tapu, their sacredness, there's a big barrier because I think there's a misconception about what that word means or that something tapu is something Mm. not to engage with. Oh. Like with the blood, Mm. and the blood is tapu. But that's okay. Yeah. The tapu preserves the nature of it as being sacred. I mean, the term that my queer used was pūre. She used the term pūre for sacred. Pūre is a process of purification. So it's the new year when we're having this kōrero. We're in the new year. We went and me and Hana, we went and jumped in the moana and had a pūre. We purified ourselves in the salt water, releasing the old, you know, releasing the old year as it's come to a close and, and releasing to make way for the new things coming in the new cycle. You know, when you bleed, you're in a sacred state. And we talked about the reasons why, because that blood is a river of ancestors and descendants. That blood is a conduit of atua. That blood connects you to our own pantheon of of atua. The blood connects us to our creation stories. The blood renews life. The blood is the blood of purification and renewal of the womb, the house of humanity. And so it is tapu. So what does it mean? It means that we are careful in that time when we're bleeding of of who we're around. We're careful about where we place ourselves because we're open. We're we're open at that time. So we look after ourselves. You know, we don't expose ourselves to, to people or situations or places that might affect us in a negative way. We use that time to slow down and connect with ourselves to connect with our tipuna and kaitiaki, to connect with specific atua. How do we do that? We create a space and a time with no distractions to call it all directly to our tipuna, to our kaitiaki, to our atua, and open up to any messages coming through. It's just to create the space and slow down so that we're not so busy. When we're busy, it's very difficult. When we're busy in Tao Marama, running around doing all our mahi, there's there's not room, there's no space for, for our tipuna to call it all with us. You know? There's not there's no space to receive revelations from Tao Wairua, from the Atua. And so when we bleed, it's the perfect time. Once a month we retreat. And we rest and we're not so busy and we open ourselves up to to just to, to listening. One way that's been 
picking up a lot of momentum to connect, yeah. to make time and make space, is with ceremony. And I was wondering if you could share your thoughts, your whakaro on ceremony, what it means to you, and any advice or <laughs> support maybe for any of our listeners out there who want it, who are yearning to connect to their ancestors, to themselves, or just to uh, their blood mm. in some way. This could be a starting point. So what mm. would you say to that? That's the thing. Why do you want a ceremony? Why? What are you looking for? What do you need? What are you looking for? Why would you come to ceremony? What do you need to do? For me, ceremony is very, very personal and it's, it's unique to every single one of us. Like, ceremony is a lot of things. It's an entire spectrum. And maybe the, the, the term ceremony is a bit problematic in that it's it's a Pākehā term and it's quite formal, like it feels kind of a little exclusive yeah. kind of formal term and, and certainly ceremonies can be very formal. Ceremonies can be exclusive. But what we're talking about here, and for me personally, ceremony is a way of life. Ceremony is the very personal and unique way that we connect with the sacred and with ourselves, with the sacred within ourselves, with our own tipuna, kaitiaki and atua. And I think the first thing is just creating the time and the space to do that with no distractions. So put away your phone and um, make sure that the space is private because ceremony, the way that we create a safe space to just connect with ourselves and connect in with our tipuna and kaitiaki, it's quite a vulnerable space. That's why you don't want any distractions. What are you doing? You're connecting with it, with yourself and you're, you're talking to your tipuna and the atua directly from your own heart, you know. And so you don't want anyone listening to that. That's private. So how do you start? You create a space, a private, safe space yourself to connect in and it could be outside on papa go to a beautiful place you know go to a place of power go to a beautiful place go to a place that makes you feel really good and just sit on the earth and if you're bleeding bleed into the earth and give that blood to papa that's an ancient ceremony that's an ancient ritual practice that wahine all over the world have always done you know and we've forgotten how to do it because we've been brainwashed to think the blood is disgusting but you don't need any props you don't need any tools you just go and sit out on papa and say some words from your heart if you want to or or not you can say those words in English or Māori. It doesn't matter as long as they are honest words from your own heart. And I think that, you know, because one of the things about colonisation is it really targeted our spiritualities as tangata whenua, and, it, and, it, and it's done this with Indigenous people all over the world. If you want to subdue a people so that you can take their lands, you've got to destroy the foundations of their mana motuhake, of their autonomy, 
To do that, you've got to target and annihilate their spiritualities because spirituality is the source of our autonomy in the world. And you've got to take out the woman. You've got to take out the whare tangata that births the people, you know. So... You know, we're in a state of recovery. We're, we're, we're recovering. We're recovering our spiritualities. We're recovering our ceremonies, the way that we, you know, our sacred relationships to the Atua. And we've got to trust ourselves, you know, put self-doubt aside <laughs> and um, follow our own intuition and trust ourselves that if we look to our own intuition, we, we know the way, you know. Mm. And, and I can't tell you how to put a ceremony together for yourself because ceremony is a personal thing. You need to work out for yourself how can you connect in with the sacred powers of creation that you are. And it's simple and it's creative and it's joyous and it's fun and it's reverent and it makes sense for you. And, you know, we start out and we fumble and we don't know what to do, but we do our best. We just caught it all, you know, like yeah. just keep it simple. Yeah, I think that's where some, and even myself in different situations, uh, get caught up is that. You don't want to fumble. You just mm. want to know, but there's no one size fits all, no mm. general prescription you can give us. Mm. <laughs> Fluency comes as you go along. You've got to start somewhere, you know, with creating little rituals and ceremonies for yourself that feed your spirit. you got to start somewhere and <laughs> you got to be patient with yourself. But you just just start simple, and as you go along, you'll create a way that makes sense for you. You'll get more fluent in the way that you tap into the sacred within yourself and open yourself up to the sacred that is the cosmos, that is Papa, that is all the Atua. You've got to trust your own instincts. You've got to trust your own instincts and, and intuition. If it doesn't feel right, don't do it. If it feels right, then do it. But just be mindful if you're living in somebody else's tribal territory, if you're living in somebody else's rohe and you don't know the history, uh, to Heidi, you know, yeah. just just take care. Be, mm. be careful, you know. Mm. If you're at home in your own rohe and you want to go swimming in your rivers or you want to go swim in the moana, kai te mana. That would be my advice. And so many of us, not just here in Aotearoa and New Zealand, don't live or even don't visit the lands we're from. Ooh. And so not just in terms of swimming, but uh, bleeding onto the land or with the awa, rinsing that out. Are they allowed to do that? Are we allowed to... Yeah give our blood back to the land even if we're not from there but are there for the time being whether it's for study yeah or for work whatever do it in your own garden you know do it at home that area in the garden becomes a tuahu it becomes a shrine it becomes an altar it becomes a sacred place for you to go 
and sit and reconnect with yourself and reconnect with the sacred nature of life in the cosmos and the outer world and all of it. You know, it becomes a sacred space for you to retreat to and find your ceremony. I love those awataro. I just think they're fantastic. I use them every month. They make the ceremony really easy because you have your taro. Like for me, I have my taro, the awataro. I take them off. I put them in a bucket. I wash. I I I wash them in a bucket, and I and then I pour that blood directly onto the fenua in a quiet corner of my garden. And that's my little ceremony. Very, very simple. I'll go out there on my own and I'll pour that blood directly onto Papa and I'll look up in the sky and see where Hina is, see where Hina Tiwaiwa, the moon is, what phase is she in, and that will tell me something about my life, if I'm in balance or if things are a bit frantic, like if it's a new moon, if it's in the dark of the moon, I know that I'm moving well in my world. If it's the full moon... I know that things are a bit hectic, you know, I might need to pull back from a few things to restore my balance. Um, and sometimes I'll put that blood down with kōrero, just a mihi, mihi, mihi to papa, mihi to hine teiwiwa, might be in te reo, might be in English, whatever I'm feeling in the moment at the time. And that's the thing about ceremony. You respond in the moment. You trust your own instincts and intuition. Sometimes I'll use karakia. One of my publications is Waifero, The Red Waters. At the beginning of that book, there's a karakia. It was composed by Ruakere Hond and Joe Tito from Taranaki, who have given us permission to use that karakia. Sometimes I'll do that karakia or other karakia as I'm pouring the blood to acknowledge that blood as ancestral blood, to acknowledge that blood that connects us to the atua directly. And that's my little ceremonial practice. Beautiful. And you've shed so many different examples of ceremony. Too. Yeah, so, so many different it's so um, unique and creative and I mean one another way that I ceremony is through dance, you know. Another way I ceremony is going down the beach and standing in the wind and having a pude in the wind, purifying myself, linking in with Tafiri Matia, that Atua directly and letting him purify me with his breath, with the wind, or going and jumping in the sea you know, or an awa and submerging, hepure. That's a ceremony right there, simple. Ceremony is such a grand term, you know. Mm. It's, a, it's a grand term. I only use it because some of my elders, um, when they're speaking English, they use that term ceremony, and so I'm kind of used to it, and traveling and uh, spending time with other indigenous peoples like the Native Americans, our Hawaiian relations, they use the term ceremony. So it's a term I'm used to, but if it puts you off, don't use it. It's simple. It's just, to me, it's just about the very personal way that you connect back in with yourself and with the atua, you know, and your tipuna and kaitiaki. They're always, they're always rolling with you, like you're never alone, you know. You always roll in a posse, you know, all those ones that love you. Yeah, yeah. it's so easy to get caught up on ceremony. <gasps> I haven't been taught ceremony. I don't know a person who can do it. Or I don't mm. like the permission thing we talked about. Or mm. I don't. Da, da, da. 
because it's such a loaded word, powerful word, and we watch films or we hear stories about what ceremony is, we can yet just get caught up in that rather than recognizing it at its core essence is that connection, that space to yourself and fuck up and everything. Yeah. Encompassed in that. Yeah. Simple. It's simple. It can be really elaborate. It can be as elaborate as you make it. Sometimes if I'm wanting to connect in with the sacred and connect in with myself as an ancient being, you know, because we all get caught up in life and the, you know and the hectic nature of life and the drama of life and we need to slow down and reconnect with what really matters and uh who we really are and what motivates us you know what we're doing why we do what we do and all that i think preparations are important go and have a beautiful bath you know or jump in the moana or jump in a river have a shower and then be mindful about how you dress yourself and prepare yourself to come into a sacred space I think that's really important, the way that you prepare. So you dress in kākahu that that make you feel beautiful, that make you feel a certain way, and you wear specific pieces of jewellery, you know, and you anoint yourself with essential oils and specific perfumes that make you feel a certain way, you know, and that that's your preparations. And what it does is it marks the time and the space as special, Something special was happening, you know. I think that's important, you know. And it's quite beautifully simple. Something special is happening. I mean, even that is a that's a self blessing ceremony right there. The way that you anoint yourself, it's an anointing ritual. The way you anoint yourself with perfumes, the way you dress the temple of your own body, you know. Mm. That's a ceremony. The way that you adorn yourself, yeah. you know. Like the intentionality yes. that comes with it. Yeah, because yeah. that's it. That's exactly right. It's all about intention. If you don't have an intention and you don't have a purpose, then you kind of fall over the show, you know. Very easy to get caught up in the noise and the rush and yeah. busyness yeah. of things that don't even matter. Yeah. A lot of the time. Yeah. yeah. And with your connection and your knowing your wisdom and from your research a two-part question (laughs) how do you manage your ikura Mm. and has it changed much since you first bled to now oh wow well when i first bled of course i used pads i didn't know anything about the sacred nature of the blood as ancestral blood because i wasn't raised with any of those tikanga Mm. we didn't speak about it in my whanau and um i wasn't raised with any of those tikanga i've had to this is the journey that my tikuna have set me out on you know i've always ceremonied like uh ever since i was really young ever since i was a teenager i've always just kind of naturally love to create a sacred space, a, a creative, uh, just beautiful sacred space for myself. Mm. And in those spaces, I would just connect in with Papa Tuanuku and I would say to her, use me as a, use my life as a conduit to restore balance and to mm. facilitate some healing in the world, whatever that looks like. You know, this will be our collaboration, me and you. (laughs) (laughs) And so this is the journey that she's led me on is to reactivate and recover 
tangata whinua tikanga he pāna tēnei daonga o te toto, tapu, mm. o te wahine, you know. Did you ever imagine in that collaboration with our oldest form of a mother, our tupuna, mm. yeah. with Papa Tuanuku, yeah. that how you managed your ikura has come full circle in a way? because of your mahi, which has inspired the ethos and the vision of what awa is about. And now you use those products yeah, to help you manage your ikura. Yeah, Yeah, <laughs> because, like, I wasn't told, but I intuitively knew as a young person that that blood is sacred. Um, and, I, and I think that when we trust our own intuition – what we are opening ourselves to is the counsel of our own tipuna and kaitiaki that guide and instruct us, you know, mm. and our own ancient selves. Um, it's when we get caught up in our, in our head that we get get into trouble, you know. And, um, and so the our products have just made it, because I knew the blood was sacred 20 years ago, but I was using pads or I was using cloth. You know, mm. I was ripping up towels and sheets and um, that works if you're going to stay home, but it doesn't really work so much if you're traveling. <laughs> and so Awa has meant, you know, using the taro, it's just made my ceremony easier. It doesn't matter now if I'm traveling or if I'm at home, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Beautiful how this has been your journey, which has inspired the products mm. that you can use to continue the ceremony. Yeah. And it's like an evolution of that. Yeah. And your products in particular have been so beneficial for so many whanau and wahine around Aotearoa, around the world. And could you please share what those are? Well, so, okay, so Te Awatua was the is the published master's thesis. It's the work that I did 10 years ago that recovered how our tipuna saw the blood. So it's called Te Awa Atua, Menstruation in the Pre-Colonial Māori World. It's academic research. You can find it, you can buy it through the Awa website. And then I wrote Waifero, A Celebration of Womanhood. It's a smaller book and it's written for whānau, written for rangatahi, and just, you know, goes through some of the ceremonies, what we used to do, how we can recover ceremonies today so just some real practical kind of corridor about how because ceremonies evolve tikanga evolves what worked 200 years ago a thousand years ago may not work today and that's the thing is giving ourselves authority to evolve tikanga that makes mm. sense for us today yeah. you know it's like when our tipuna sailed the most expansive sea on the planet the timuana nui a kiwa timuana nui a toy the pacific ocean they had to evolve tikanga because what they did in the islands didn't make sense for them on the moana when, when they came to Aotearoa. Mm. They had to evolve tikanga, you know, because what worked for them in the islands <laughs> didn't work for them here. It didn't make sense. So tikanga has to make sense. It's got to be practical. Our people are practical people. Yeah. It's got to make sense. And we have to give ourselves the authority as ancestors of the future generations to make sure that tikanga makes sense for us, that empower us, that facilitate healing for us because of the trauma of colonization you know 
Mm. We're in a state of recovery. We're in a process of decolonization where we're having to strip away all the shit we've been taught to believe about who we are that's actually oppressive mm. and doesn't lead us to celebrate our own mana, you know. Mm. And back to ourselves. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. So we ask ourselves, we, we give ourselves we give ourselves permission <laughs> to, you know, create tikanga, to, to create practices that are healing for ourselves and also empower our whānau and, and empower the future generations. So that's a responsibility. Mm. You know, like if it doesn't empower us, if it doesn't restore the balance and sacred connection with ourselves between and across genders, between the generations, with us in the Taiao, with, with our relations, the Atua, and all our relations across the planet, then what's it good for? What's the point? Yeah, like our tikanga have to work mm. to maintain the balance yeah. of life. Yeah. And you have some resources to help educate people or help with that empowerment for people coming up soon so that way fiddle book that can be found you know you can get that through the our website i'm working right now on a little publication around ceremony it'll be a practical beautiful little book that helps us to recover a ceremonial way for ourselves it'll have some beautiful little things in there from a tangata whenua perspective about how we prepare ourselves for ceremony, how we prepare space for ceremony, what's the significance of facing east, mm. north, west, south, how do we work in a sacred way with fire, with water, you mm. know, those those sorts of things. So um, that's what I'm working on right now. Then the, there's the plans that we came up with last oh, night with yeah, Michelle. We should have talked. Should we talk about that? Now? I can tease about it because you can be assured that when those are ready, we'll be sharing them on here on on the flow, and everywhere on the our the label platforms as well. Because this wouldn't be possible without the mahi and the research and the collaboration that you've had. Yeah. Say. Yeah, and so this is another form of collaboration which we're really excited about. And believe it or not, uh, for those listening, this is the first of a series of wānanga with Ngahuia. And so if you have anything that's sparked up for you uh, while you've been listening, uh, lean into that, embrace that, and send through any questions or anything you'd like us to uh, cover in upcoming episodes uh, because this is just scratching the surface mm. of this wānanga because it's yeah just um, scratching the surface of this wānanga and um, there's so much more but I think for now we've covered a good or we've set quite a good foundation but are there any whakaru you have to finish off this first session? I want a mihi to the ones that I've collaborated with that have brought me to this moment. You know, like I think about my kuia, Rangimari Epere, and how lucky I was, how lucky I was to sit with her and hear her teachings and participate in the ceremonial cycle that she hosted in Waikare Moana. Now that she's gone and we're coming into Takurua Mere, which for us is, is the new year, the stars, you know, with Sirius, I think about her and, and I'm so grateful 
And there, there are others that have committed their lives to the good of the people and are creating mahi that is all about recovering and restoring and reactivating mana wahine and, and everything that that means. You know, these wahine have had a huge influence on me and have really inspired me in my own work and everything that we do kind of folds into an intergenerational continuum of cultural recovery and also resistance eh, against settler society that's just so disconnected. <laughs> from that which is sacred, you know, and from the ancient and ancestral world that we live in. It's right there in front of us for us to connect in with. At any time, it's just taking the time to restore that relationship, like any relationship. It requires time and it requires nurturing, you know. If you want to have a good relationship with someone or something, you have to set aside the time and you, you have to nurture that relationship. Ceremony, creating a ceremonial way for yourself, or a sacred way, takes time. Like any relationship, it takes commitment. You know, it should be a beautiful thing, not like, oh, God. <laughs> you know, it should be a beautiful thing that feeds your spirit. Otherwise, what's the point? Like yeah. all relationships, it should be a good one, you know? And that's how the relationship for many menstruators the relationship with the ikura has been oh mm, inconvenient yeah. with the kaupapa michelle and i covered in the first episode a lot of that's due to the advertising yeah and then the impact of the church and colonization yeah. and yeah. so i love that especially as a finishing whakaro a finishing thought that it takes time to cultivate a yeah. good relationship with anything yeah, yeah. And so we need to have that compassion and kindness yeah, for ourselves that's as right. we rebuild that relationship it's so true just be gentle on yourself just be gentle you know it does take time we're recovering mm. ourselves we're recovering our knowledge we're recovering our intuitive wisdom you know we're recovering our sacred relationships with the atua we have to be really gentle and compassionate on ourselves it takes time you know and we have to trust mm. ourselves that we can connect directly we have that right you know we don't need to go through anybody else to connect with the sacred you know we know what to do if we look to our own intuitive intelligence and wisdom and to our own hearts and what we we need yeah oh very beautiful thank you for our kōrero today and thank you to our listeners who have tuned in to the second episode of On The Flow. Be sure to sit with uh, the wānanga, the whakaro, the kōrero uh, that Ngahui has shared today and see how you go with it and how that adds to your reconnection or to your relationship with yourself. And if you have any questions, be sure to send them through as well and we'll catch you and as well, uh, you Ngahui are very soon on, yeah. on the flow. Kia ora tato.